0: Welcome back to another episode of Kauai Podcast. We are back for one more episode, and we've got a guest host with us today. We've got Amanda from the Living the Aloha Life podcast on the show, and I think you are absolutely going to love this one. This is episode 37, Hiking the Kalalau Trail. So, we wrapped up the Kawaii podcast series in the last episode. And you're sitting there going, Well, Ty, if we wrapped it up, what are you doing here now? (laughs) I think that last episode was an excellent show. But as good as that episode was, as time went by, something just didn't feel right about ending this whole series on that note. I put a lot of heart and soul into this show, as did every single one of the guests that we had on along the way. And I just didn't think it was a perfect ending. And that bothered me. I felt like you listeners and our past guests and this island itself deserved more out of an ending. Now, in the last episode, we brought on Wade, my friend with the Living the Aloha Life podcast. And just to be totally clear, I thought that episode with Wade was awesome. He was great. And that show was great. It just wasn't the perfect way for this series to go out. If it was a movie script, I'd say there were story arcs that were left incomplete. So today we're going to bring on his co-host, Amanda, and she's going to help me close those gaps that were eating away at me. A few weeks back, I saw that Amanda was training for an upcoming trip to Kauai to hike Kalalau, and suddenly everything fell into place. I knew instantly every reason why I hadn't been thrilled with how the show ended. And I knew how to fix it. And I knew I could not do it without her. So I reached out to her a couple of days ago after she got back from her trip. And she agreed to come on. And I'm so happy that she agreed to do so for a number of reasons. First off, in the last episode, we interviewed Wade of the Living the Aloha Life podcast. But we never did get to interview his co-host, Amanda. So this show will close that loop and give you guys a chance to meet both of the hosts of that podcast. More important than that, however, are reasons two and three. Reason number two is that I really love Hawaii, and I really love this island. I hope that's come through in all of the past podcasts. But in both of the last episodes, I was not happy with moods that the people running the islands were making. The episode before last one, episode 35, That was recorded right after Kauai reopened the North Shore. It had been shut down for a long time due to heavy rains and landslides. And after opening, they started requiring paid reservations to get to KA Beach, as well as they were charging for parking in Waimea Canyon and so forth. And I wasn't really happy about that. The last episode I had with Wade was recorded right in the middle of the COVID shutdown, which was kind of upsetting and stressful to everybody, both travelers and people living on the islands. And even before those two episodes, episode number 34, I thought was a really, really, really good episode, but it wasn't Kauai. We were talking about the big island on that. And before that, in episode 32, which I think was also A very, very incredibly good episode and well put together. That was the one where we were talking about GMOs and pesticide spraying. So it was talking about some bad things, again, caused by people happening on the island. So several of the last episodes, there was frustration surrounding things that people were doing to the islands. But I didn't want to go out like that, ending this series on a positive note that only showed love for the islands and love for Kauai, not disappointment at people running the islands or stress at particular situations surrounding the islands. Well, that meant a lot to me. So Amanda's allowing me to come back and finish this series on a very positive, island-focused, island-loving topic. And number three, not doing the Kalalau Trail was a major hole in my Kauai podcast. This trail could easily be considered the most amazing hike on the island, and it's on many lists of most amazing hikes in the entire world. It's also on many lists of most dangerous hikes in the entire world, although I think although it's a very, very physically demanding hike, most of the danger really kicks in when you start dealing with weather while you're handling the hike, when the rains come in and the winds come in and so forth. The Nepali coastline of Kauai is absolutely amazing. It consists of 17 miles of gorgeous coastline along the northwest coast of Kauai. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world with 4,000-foot cliffs that plunge straight down into the ocean. It's lined with waterfalls. It's riddled with secluded beaches and sea caves. You can look down into the Kalalau Valley from the Kalalau Overlook in Waimea Canyon but there are no roads on the island which travel along the Nepali coast. So the only ways to view this area are by helicopter, on foot, or on the water. And a helicopter doesn't really allow you to experience it firsthand. Let me read you this little clip here from trail.com. The Kalalau Trail is an 11-mile trail that leads from Ka Beach to Kalalau Beach along the Nepali coast. The Kalalau Trail provides the only land access to this part of the rugged coast. The trail traverses five valleys before ending at Kalalau Beach. The 11-mile trail is graded but almost never level as it crosses above towering sea cliffs and through lush valleys. The trail drops to sea level at the beaches of Hanakapiai and Kalalau. Camping is only allowed at Hanakoa, or Kalalao and is not allowed anywhere else along the trail or at the trailhead. You can hike to Hanakapiai and up to Hanakapiai Falls as a day hike without a permit, although a reservation is required. Permits are required to hike past Hanakapiai even if you don't plan to camp. The authorized camping areas along the trail do not have tables or drinking water. Composting toilets are available at Hanakapiai, Hanakoa, and Kalalao. All camping areas are located on shaded terraces near streams. If you've ever been to this part of Kauai, there is palpable magic in this whole area and in Kalalau Beach. We talked on past shows about how the Dalai Lama stood on Kalalau Beach and declared it was the center of the universe. When I was kayaking by it, I felt so drawn to it. It was like a siren's call to me. I literally felt pulled to just paddle away from my group, go land on the beach, and walk up on it. <laughs> and right next to Kalalau Beach sits Hanapu Beach. It's right next door. It's only accessible by swimming from Kalalau if the ocean is very, very calm and if you are a very, very strong swimmer. Hanapu Beach has a beautiful sea arch, and it's been used as a setting in many, many movies. Back in episode 19, we actually hiked the first two miles of the Kalalau Trail to Hanakapiai Beach, and then we did the side trip up to Hanakapiai Falls. I actually put together a video of that hike, and you can find it on the website's YouTube tab. So go to kawaiipodcast.com, and there's a YouTube tab. You can see that video there. We also kayaked the Nepali coast in episode 8, but we never did the Kalalau Trail itself. And not doing that in my mind left a major hole in this entire podcast series. I was actually planning on doing that show, but I was putting it off until after I'd done it myself so I could personally talk about it. But as we sit here today, I've kind of officially wrapped up the show and I never did do the hike. I haven't done it yet, I'll say. It's still on my bucket list. It's actually the only item on my bucket list that I have not checked off. But we never did a podcast about it until now. So when I found out Amanda was going to hike Kalalau last week, I really wanted to bring her on the show to talk about it. So I reached out to her. She said yes. And here we are. And I couldn't be happier. I really have to give Amanda massive thanks for coming on the show, for sharing her journey with us, and for allowing me to close so many holes in this podcast series. She's an absolutely amazing person, and I think you're really going to love her. So let's just get started and bring her on. Hey, how you doing, Amanda?
1: Hey.
0: Appreciate you coming on the show so much. I can't even put it into words, but uh, I, I really, really appreciate it.
1: Of course. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to finally talk about out with somebody.
0: <laughs> you know, the funniest thing, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. This is the first time we've ever spoken. And yet, on some level, because of podcasting, podcasting is so funny, I feel like I know you and you probably feel the same way. To a certain that's so degree.
1: funny. Yeah, Ty, that's really funny. I do feel like I know you so much just from your Kauai podcast and all the years I did listen.
0: Same thing, as long as I've been listening to you guys. When Wade and I talked about you in the last podcast, he was telling me that when you moved to Oahu, you went out and checked out all the islands first. But I wanted to kind of grill you on that. If you don't mind getting into that, talking about you for just a second before we hop into the trail. I'm curious. One thing I never figured out that I've always wanted to know is what was it that drew you to the islands? And then what drew you to Oahu? Why did you finally choose Oahu?
1: It's actually, it's really random. Moving to Hawaii had never been an idea in my head before, but one day it was probably like, 2015 or 2016 I was at happy hour with one of my best friends after work and she told me she read an article about Hawaii's educator shortage and she suggested we should move to Hawaii for a couple years to work and it was just a win it was just an idea she had but for some reason it stuck in my head and she obviously never moved here but I couldn't get it out of my head. And I actually, I have a cousin who lives here on Oahu. She's been here probably like 13 or 14 years now. So I decided to come visit her. And this was in 2017. That summer, I flew into Oahu. I stayed with her. I had booked the Jeep tour with Weed. That's how I met him.
0: <laughs> That's cool.
1: And I know. So he took me around the island. We really hit it off. We stayed in close touch. He actually helped me move. He helped me find my apartment here. I also had done a lot of research and was looking into jobs before my vacation here. And I set up an informal interview and met my boss while I was on vacation here. I just met her. I don't even remember where, a coffee shop or something. And another colleague of mine who I work with today. She came along as well. And we just really hit it off. And I knew immediately I wanted to work for the school district because I'm a school psychologist and they wanted me. So this was about a year before I moved. I had it all set up already. (laughs) Um, Job was lined up. And Oahu, honestly, it was just convenience. Uh, It's not my favorite island. um, But I knew I could get a job. I knew that I really liked the boss I was going to be working for. Wade was here. It just seemed like a good starter option for me to come to Oahu. I didn't think I would stay here forever, but I wanted to start here.
0: Where did you move from?
1: So I was in Philadelphia area on the East Coast.
0: Okay, okay. And that first time you went to Oahu when you met Wade, was that your first time ever going to Hawaii?
1: It was. And that's why it was also crazy. crazy. It happened from a whim because one of my best friends said, hey, we should consider moving to Hawaii. And then I just couldn't get the idea out of my head. Hmm. But I didn't want to just move here for a couple of years for work. Once I actually came here, I was like, oh my gosh, Hawaii, it stole my heart. It stole my soul. I just knew I had to stay here. I had to be here. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was that pull. And, you know, a lot of people say that. You hear that all the time. Some people are just pulled in. Right. I had that feeling. I did. It's a crazy story. It doesn't even make sense in my head. But I did it. It's interesting, too, because I struggle with a lot of anxiety. But moving to Hawaii... It's the one thing that like, I just never felt anxious about. I just planned it and I did it and I was never scared.
0: <laughs> that pull that you said, the people that feel it, feel it. And it's so funny. Like you said, you struggle with anxiety. That pull tells you everything's going to be okay. There's like something about right. it. I can have a lot of anxiety at times too. Never when I'm on the islands. Never.
1: Right. Never. No, oh, I, totally so I totally agree. So I totally
0: agree. It's funny because we're kind of jumping ahead. I was going to ask you what made you decide to do Kalalao, but it's the same thing that pole that pulls you to the island. Certain people that feel that Kalalao Beach has that same pole, (laughs) it just pulls you. You know, you have to be there.
1: Yeah.
0: You actually visited the four major islands, though?
1: I did. I did it in one trip, I did about three weeks, maybe. And I spent some time on each island. My best friend flew in with me for, I think, two of the islands. And then she had to go back to work. And I did the last um, couple on my own. So it was a wonderful trip. I feel like it changed me. And it just confirmed that I really wanted to move forward, but to move. Um, Kauai is my favorite island. It always has been. Um, for me, though, as a school psychologist, I just Working there, unfortunately, isn't really an option. They don't hire school psychologists. They hire clinical psychologists who work in schools, which is just a weird model. So Kauai was never an option for me to move to, unfortunately.
0: How much of a pay cut did you have to take going from Philadelphia to Oahu?
1: Oh it was terrible. I took a $20,000 pay cut. That's why I they no needed longer... teachers so bad. <laughs> I know. And I no longer get summers off or like winter breaks or spring breaks off. I have to work. Really? It's so weird.
0: What do you um, what do you do?
1: Just... Well, that's the thing. I don't have access to students. It's such a bizarre model, but um yeah, we just get state and government holidays off here. So It's kind of crazy, but, you know, I I knew what I was getting into, and I wanted to move forward with it anyway, but it's definitely different. You know, it's a financial struggle for sure, living here with the very low pay and the very high cost of
0: living. You guys talk about a lot of that stuff in your podcast, but it balances out. You don't get to walk outside your door and be in Kauai anywhere else either. For sure. You've been to all four of the major islands then? Yes. Is it even possible for you to rank them?
1: Yeah, I definitely could. I would say Kauai is my favorite. I would say Maui second, Oahu third, and Big Island would be
0: fourth. Really? Okay, interesting. And not my order. But yeah. uh, we 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 agree on number one. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, what's your order, Ty? I'm curious.
0: I would say Kauai, obviously, hands down, is the one that, that is the best one to me. I like Oahu. It's really weird. I like Oahu for everything that makes it different. But I would probably have to go Big Island number two, Oahu three, and Maui four.
1: Okay. So, yeah, that's
0: fair. Actually, I would go Kulawe four. Maui would be <laughs> below Lanai. <laughs> I'm just playing around. Yeah, I, Maui, I was talking to somebody the other day over here in Florida and saying, I don't resonate with Florida for the same reason that I don't resonate with Maui. The people that like the beaches here in Florida, like Clearwater Beach, which is a half hour from where I live out here now, are the people that want to go to the beach, sit on the beach all day, and have a drink. Those, to me, in my head, those are the type of tourists that go to Maui that want to sit in a nice big resort, have some drinks by the pool, have the beach right there, and so forth. What I like so much about Kauai is those beaches where you walk down and you've got those trees that overhang you and give you shade and you're 20 feet from the crashing waves, you know? And I will say out here in Florida, we have none of that. There's none of those shade trees near the water. On the Gulf side of Florida here, there's no crashing waves. It's like a, it's like a kiddie pool. Every time you go there, there's no waves at all. But um, I would also say the snorkeling isn't as nice as, as um, Kauai or any of the Hawaiian islands either. So I don't get the beach experience for me here doesn't bring me what I need. Whereas for some people you. it does. And I think those people that resonate with the beaches here will all very much resonate with Maui. So for me, it's just the personal thing like that. So let's get back to Kauai real quick. Before this okay. before this trip, how many times have you visited Kauai before?
1: Uh, four times. This was my
0: fifth trip. Oh, okay. So you've been there a few times. And yeah. had you hiked any portion of the Kalalau Trail before? Like, had you done that first hike to Hanakapiai Beach or even up to trail past k to that first lookout? Had you done any of that before?
1: I have not. This was my first time doing any of it. Oh, right on. I honestly had never been any further than Hanalei. Really? Yeah. Isn't that wow. crazy? It, sure, I know. it
0: starts becoming amazing when you passed Hanalei. So what made you want to hike Kalalao? and actually what made you not just say I want to hike Kalalau, what made you say I'm doing it?
1: Okay. So I think it became a bucket list item for me when I first did my first Nepali coast boat tour. I did the raft one. What is it called? Zodiac?
0: Yeah. uh Raft
1: tour. Yeah. I did that. um, That year I was vacationing across all the islands and I fell in love with the Nepali coast that pulled me in. And I was like, wow, you can hike this. And I researched it and I looked into it. And then that was all I needed. It became a bucket list item for me. And then I moved to Oahu. And I just did a lot of local hikes here on island. And this past summer, one of my friends reached out and said he wanted to hike Kalalau. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's all it took. I was in 100%. Unfortunately, it did not work out because he and his friends did not get permits, whereas I did for me and my friends. So we did not end up going together after all, but it got me to do Callao.
0: I want to ask you about the permit getting process, but before I do that, I want to hopefully try to point some things out that I think might be confusing. So I'm going to say this real quick and then I'm going to let you talk about your permitting process. Feel free to interrupt me if I'm saying anything wrong here. But if you are driving, you've passed Honolulu. you're driving the north shore of Kauai before you get to the end of the road there. Near the end of the road, the first park, the first beach that you pass is Hyena Beach Park. That's where Hyena Beach is. That's where the dry cave Mm -hmm. is. It's not labeled on the map, but that's where Tunnels Beach is. Tunnels Beach is actually when you just walk down Hyena Beach to the right. And then you go past Hyena Beach... And you get to K.A. Beach. Now, K.A. Beach is the actual end of the road. That's the park where the beginning to the Kalalau Trail is. I think what confuses people is Hyena Beach Park and Hyena State Park are actually different parks that sit right next to each other. That
1: is confusing. Yeah.
0: Hyena Beach Park is a county park. Hyena State Park does not have Hyena Beach in it. It's got K.A. Beach in it. So... Hyena State Park at the end of the road where K.A. Beach is, where the beginning to the Kalalau Trail is, if you're going to go anywhere in Hyena State Park to go to K.A. Beach or even to hike to the first beginning of the Kalalau Trail to Hanakapiai Beach or Hanakapiai Falls, you need a reservation there, right? So you need either a day use or a parking reservation. Anytime you're going to go past Hanakapiai Beach, you need a camping permit. Now, your camping permit is with Nepali Coast State Wilderness Park. And that camping permit also gives you entry into Hyena State Park. A question I do have that I don't know the answer to, as of right now, if you get a camping permit for Nepali State Coast Wilderness Park, you're going to go down Kalalau. Does that include parking at all?
1: Um, no, that is a separate one. However, for locals, you don't need a permit to park. Okay. If you have a YC ID, but if you are out of state, you do. Um, you need to make a reservation. So there's so many local spots that are saved, and you could, if you're a local, you could just park there. Did but, you yeah, count as a local
0: a even though you're not on island? Do I do, have-
1: but we did not rent a car because it's crazy to rent a car in Kauai right now. It's so expensive.
0: Let's go to that, but I want to step back on the permitting process. Tell me about that, how you got a permit, how your friend didn't, and how that all went down.
1: Yeah, sure. So the whole process is crazy. Like you said, if you're going past Hanukopi do you need a camping permit, even if you're not camping, which is really frustrating because it's so competitive to get a camping permit that um, I hate to see people pulling them and using them and not actually camping. It's really competitive. They allow for 60 a day. And in the summer, it's extremely hard to get one. It used to be that you could only book it 30 days in advance. But recently, this past spring, they changed it to 90 days in advance. So that was good. It might have helped a little, but it was still super competitive. You have to log on to the website a few minutes before midnight Hawaii standard Time and have the form all filled out and ready to go. And as soon as the clock strikes midnight, you have to hit submit. And within 30 seconds, they are completely sold out. It is insanely competitive. That's um, They do so, 60
0: a day and that's how fast they sell out?
1: Um, In the summer, yes. Now wow. it's a little easier come fall and I think it's a bit easier come winter. Because, you know, it's not as safe to hike in the winter. So, yeah, the summer is really hard. And I don't even know how I got so lucky to get one. My friends did not. But my advice to anybody would be create that online account way ahead of time. Go in there. Do a couple practice runs. Get familiar with it. Have it filled out before midnight. Press that submit button right at midnight on the dot. If you get an error message, which I did. It'll say these dates are already in somebody else's shopping cart. Just hit submit again anyway and it works.
0: Are you serious? Why? I'm serious.
1: So if you were to go back and redo the whole form, it would probably be too late and you probably would have lost your chance, but I just hit submit again and it worked.
0: So it's so, kind of like calling know. into a radio station and you got to be caller number eight or something like that. If you, yes. if you get busy, call right back. So if it says, if it's full, just hit submit again and you got in, exactly. you got in, but your friend didn't. Now, let me ask you another question. Does it matter how many days, like you went for two nights, yeah. right? Three days, two nights.
1: My permit was actually for three nights for these. We ended up having to cut it short because my friend lost her grandparent and had to fly to the mainland for a funeral. So we had to cut our trip short one day so she could fly out, which was better than canceling the trip. Yeah, so we were supposed to do a day longer. And yes, it does make a difference. I think if you were to only do one night, it would probably be much easier. Also, I've heard that the number in your group makes a difference. So I only had three in my group. My friends, I think they had four or five in their group, and that could have contributed to why they did not get the permit, too. So it's been recommended to me that maybe every member in your group should try to get their own permit during summer months. You might have more success that way. Of course, it's also a risk if people don't get it. Um, right. and you
0: wouldn't
1: be together, but... So it's there, hard. there was
0: originally supposed to be like eighty of you going then, and that's why they're only yeah. in three. Huh. It was
1: supposed to be a big group, and I ended up being a third wheel with my friends because there are a couple. <laughs> oh well.
0: <laughs> the time I went to Kauai by myself, I went there for a few days by myself, and there's one thing about that island, that island keeps you company. So even if you feel like you're a third wheel, you never feel alone there, though, right?
1: That is really true. I didn't mind being a third wheel. It was totally fine.
0: So tell me your story of getting to Kauai. You said you didn't rent a car. So where you stayed while you were there before and after the trail and how you got to the trailhead.
1: Sure. So... Like I said, we all struggle financially living here, especially right now with the inflation. So we couldn't really afford a hotel or anything. We decided to camp at Anini the night before, which worked out great because we were up there in North Shore already. We hired a driver. So there's a Kalamau Trail Facebook group. I think you're a member of it. Mm -hmm. And on that Facebook group, there are a handful of people who advertise that they'll drive you to the trailhead and back for a fee. We looked into that and we ended up hiring one of them. It was actually like a full service thing. It was kind of amazing. They pick you up at the airport. They drive you to wherever you're staying. They provide you with fuel because you can't carry that on the plane. They drive you to the trailhead. They'll store a bag in the car for you while you're hiking. They pick you up at the trailhead. They drive you back to the airport. It really just gives you peace of mind. And it's a little expensive, but for us, that's what we wanted. That's a heck of a service.
0: What they charge you guys for that?
1: So I think it depends on the person, but this guy charged us like ninety dollars a person. So it was a lot, but it is, but it's still not. A it's,
0: car. Yeah, it's not bad. You're not renting a car. He's getting you to the trailhead. He's bringing you back. He's holding some stuff yeah. for you. If he's done it a number of times, hopefully they're trustworthy and they have like a reputation yes. for it. Now you said you camped at Anini, and that's interesting because I have a question for you. So it I was does. I was talking about how. Hyena Beach is a county park. Now, as a county park, you should be able to camp there. But when I looked it up, it didn't have it listed. So could you have camped at Hyena Beach Park or not? I
1: looked into it, and I could not find any camping, unfortunately. I know, because you know. used
0: to be able to, yeah. at least before they closed down the North Shore, you could. So you chose Anini because it was the closest park that you could find camping
1: yeah, so we got permits for Anini, um, which was very easy to get permits for that one. Mm-hmm, but right. yeah, I was disappointed about that, too. I don't think they allow the camping there anymore.
0: Okay. Anini Beach is one of my favorite beaches in the world.
1: Oh, and my gosh. It was stunning.
0: That's my kind of style, where you could just like sit under a tree and read a book and be right near the water, and you're not going to sunburn yourself, silly. I, uh, I, <laughs> I I absolutely love it there. So the Kelalau Trail... You know, you're not gonna do any more of a strenuous up and down trail. So packing light is kind of a must. So tell me like what you packed that you thought was super important, what your pack weighed, any things you thought this is a must pack, or anything you in hindsight you went, oh, I wish I hadn't a pack this.
1: <laughs> oh Ty. This question makes me laugh. This was my first backpacking trip ever <laughs> oh, wow. I do not recommend. Anybody who does not have experience with backpacking, please go on a backpacking trip before Kalalau because I learned so much, and I would do so much differently. I didn't know what I was doing. I overpacked. My pack was like 38 pounds.
0: Wow. You were training, but you weren't training with a pack on when you were hiking all those trails on Oahu. Well,
1: I did some, and then I didn't some. So I did train with a pack on, but... It wasn't enough. And then the week or two before I did not train with the pack on because I had these massive bruises on my hips and shoulders. And I was like, Oh, I just want to let them heal. So I put the pack aside and I just used the day pack to finish my training I would have done all of that really differently. I would have done a real backpacking trip to really get a feel for it and to really understand how much stuff I do not need to bring on a backpacking trip. Like toiletries, for example, you don't really need toiletries. Um, Maybe just like, you know, a couple small things, but I brought way too much and less clothes. You can wash your clothes. You don't really need to bring a lot of clothes. And more food. I had no idea how hungry I would be after all that camping. Right. Uh, And then I would strongly recommend camp shoes. I was thinking in my head, I'll be camping on the beach. I don't really need to bring more shoes. They're bulky to take up space. No, bring a pair of camp shoes, whether it's slippers or sandals or whatever they may be. Um, It's not all beach. And my feet got so cut up.
0: What do you think about as far as bringing a tent to Kalalao, ground padding, sleeping bag, heavy stuff like that? I hear people that are like, I'm going to bring a a netting and I'm bringing a a hammock, you know, because they want to go light. But then if it's raining, you want to be covered in something, too. So what was your feel on that having done it?
1: Yeah, I did bring all of that. And I was really grateful I did because we had some torrential rain while we were there. So I was super grateful to have the tent, the ground cover. I even brought a really lightweight sleeping bag. It was super small, super lightweight, 51 degree down sleeping bag. I was really grateful to have it that night that it was raining. It was kind of chilly. But I mean, in the dead of summer, a lot of people have a very different experience where they're so hot, they just pull a sleeping pad out on the beach and sleep. It really just depends. But I was grateful to have a sleep system because I think if I didn't have that and I wasn't able to sleep, I would have been really miserable.
0: I think I agree with you on that. I want to be comfortable when I'm sleeping.
1: Especially with all that hiking you're doing. You just, you really need a good night's sleep.
0: I agree. What did you guys do for water purification?
1: So I had a grail. It's a heavy one. It's it's really high quality. It's actually meant for like international travel, water purification. But I loved it because you have to be really careful here in Hawaii because of the leptospirosis. There's only like one or two water filters that actually filter out small enough to get the lepto out. And lepto can be very deadly. So mm. For me, I just didn't want to take that risk, so I got an expensive one. I think it's like $90, but it was amazing. It worked so easily, and it actually also is a water bottle, so that's what I use. My friend had the, not the iodine tablets, but the Aquamira ones. I think that's what they brought. They used that instead.
0: Did any one of you bring one of those, you know those straws that you can drink right the through? Life straw. They, yeah. Did any of you have one of those?
1: You know, a lot of people do bring those, but that does not filter out the lepto. Oh,
0: really? Okay. Yeah.
1: So uh, some people don't worry about that. I just, I was, I was worried about that. Maybe because it was my first backpacking trip and I just didn't want to take any chances. But yeah, the life straws, unfortunately, don't filter out the lepto.
0: Okay. Well, then by all means, don't use them if they don't. Two other questions I want to ask you. I saw in your photos you took hiking poles. This isn't even a question. This is my comment. Just as somebody who even hiked just to Hanna Beach in the falls, I would say they're a must for this trail.
1: 100% high. Oh, my gosh. I think they saved my life or at least my body. Um, they honestly, it just takes that stress off of your knees and your backs and your hips. It saves your body Um, And also for the grip, I mean, there's some sections of this trail that are very slippery, that like really crumbly, gravelly soil. And they really stop you if you slip or if you're about to fall, you can really just, you know, catch yourself, get your grip with them. I think they saved me a couple of times from wiping out. Hmm. So I 100% recommend hiking poles.
0: Yeah, I use a, uh, a hiking stick every time I'm on Kauai. Everywhere I go, even this, like Sleeping Giant, which is up and down, is nowhere near like this, but I want a hiking stick on it. So I definitely would not even think about doing this without poles. So, yeah. Now, let me ask you one other question. What do you recommend for shoes? Because something tells me I'd want to do this in hiking sandals, and I know that's probably not the right idea.
1: I would not recommend hiking sandals. Um, You could. I would be really impressed. But I feel like you'd probably break some toes on this hike. Um, So I use Salomon. I like, personally, I like hiking boots. I know a lot of people don't. They're too hot. They're too bulky. But when I'm doing a hike with a lot of weight on my back, I just personally like that ankle support. So I think it's a personal preference. But Salomon... Is a brand of hiking boot or they have trail running shoes that has amazing, amazing grip on the bottom. And that is what I love about them because for this trail, you need something with a really good grip. I feel like Salaman is like the best alternative to having micro spikes.
0: How do you spell um, that? How do you spell that?
1: I think it's S A L O M O N. Oh, okay. it could be S A L A M O N. I'm not okay. sure. But It is a brand that I am a diehard fan of.
0: Okay, sounds good. And it's just
1: for that grip. Did you see
0: anybody doing this with hiking sandals?
1: Oh my gosh, I saw a girl doing it in slippers. I don't think she made it very far. Ah! (laughs) But no, I didn't see anybody wearing hiking sandals. That's interesting. I saw a lot of trail running shoes though. A lot of people seem to prefer them.
0: Okay. I remember when I did Hanakapiai Falls, I was coming back and there was some guy like practically running down the middle of the stream. He wasn't even on the trail. He was barefoot, just like rock hopping, boulder to boulder down the middle of the stream all the way down. I'm like, this guy's insane. I was a little jealous though, to be honest with you. It was one of the coolest things. Okay, so tell me about starting out. Like you get up that morning, you get your ride to the trail. You know, what time you got there and first getting started. Tell me about that.
1: Sure. So we got picked up from Anini Beach at 6 a.m. And it was about a 45-minute drive, I guess, to the trailhead. So I would say we probably started around 7. When we did get there, our permits and IDs were both checked. So if you're doing this, have them accessible. I had to dig through my whole pack to find them, which was annoying. And then I was really grateful to have the early start because even at that hour, the heat was intense. It's July It was, you know, Kauai is actually, they've been in a drought up until I think last week. So it was really, really hot. And the the heat made the hike very brutal for me. I think I just don't do well in extreme heat. And it really slowed me down a lot.
0: What would you say the temperature was during the day there?
1: I, you know, I don't know. I know It's rare for it to get up into the 90s, but I feel like that first day, it probably was bordering 90. It was really hot, and the sun was just beating down on us. It was really humid. That hike in was the hardest part for me.
0: (laughs) Wow. That would be rough, uh, because normally it's in the low, mid-tops 80s, you know? Yes. Um, And that's perfect with the humidities when 83, 84 is beautiful. Out here in Florida, when it's 83, 84, I'm so happy outside. It gets up to 90 or 91. I don't want to go outdoors. I definitely wouldn't be going, let's throw a pack on my back and hike Kalalao.
1: Exactly. Did you have much sea breeze
0: coming in or was there no breeze at all?
1: Not on the way in. On the way out we did and that really helped a lot too. The way in was just brutal that day.
0: So no rain, no nothing on the way in, just hot, sunny, clear day on your way in.
1: You got it. Okay.
0: (laughs) You first start that trail. So you're at, You're at KA Beach there and you first start the trail. What were your thoughts right off the bat? Because that trail, it's like you're walking up a dry riverbed, right?
1: Oh my gosh. So at first, when I was first starting the hike, I was so excited. I can't believe I'm really doing Kalala. I'm really here. And I was so excited. It felt surreal. Yeah. And then we got started and I died. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Like I said, the heat was just so much. But yeah, those first few miles are intense on the Mm -hmm. way in. The elevation gain right there, it's a lot. You know, in the heat, it just slows you down. You have the pack on your back. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I do a lot of hiking, but it was okay. We just took it slow. We stopped for a quick break every hour, whether we felt like we needed it or not. My friend just made us do it. And I think it was a great idea just to pull that pack off, have a quick snack, drink, and we got through it. But yeah, it it was intense. Oh, and then a couple hours in, we got this amazing photo of the Nepali. It was like a peak of the Nepali coast with a beautiful rainbow. I and saw I it. Like that was that
0: amazing. Yeah, it almost that like an That motivated us. Yeah, that yeah, that it was, was pretty. So
1: beautiful.
0: Yeah, when you first start climbing up, when you first start like right out of the parking lot there, it's like something out of Indiana Jones. You're going up this. It's not even like a trail. It's like you're stepping, like I said, up a dry riverbed, and and it's up, 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 and your body. I think your body has to get in tune. Like your cardio yeah. is like, it's like going from nothing to, you're just going and your body, I think it almost takes to like half mile lookout, which is beautiful where you can look down at Ka Beach and then you get to turn, you can see all the way down the Nepali coast. It yeah. almost till you get to that spot, till your body kind of starts, at least for me, working itself out. Would you agree?
1: Oh totally. Yeah. It just it's so painful in the beginning and then yeah. you kind of get in the zone eventually. That's so true.
0: So you go up 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 forever and then it kind of flattens out for a bit and then it starts yeah. going down 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 and where it's going down on the other side for before you get to that first uh, valley at Hana Beach. You're lucky it was dry Ooh. because if it's wet there if it's raining It's like a slip and slide going down the other side of that. I mean, it's you see I
1: can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was going down it. It just rained when I did Hana Falls that time. And we're walking down the backside and you see these footprints where the heel planted. And then you know, you could see where the foot slid like a foot and a half. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty slippery going down that way. Now, since it wasn't raining when you first got to Hanakapiai Beach and crossed the river there, you didn't have an issue with that river crossing, right?
1: Yeah, it was totally fine. On the way there, all the river crossings were easy. It was a different story later on, but we'll get to that later.
0: Okay. Now, we should mention if we're at Hanakapiai Beach here, to tell everybody stay out of the water at Hanakapiai Beach. It's probably the most dangerous—well, it is the most dangerous beach— in all of Kauai and it might be one of the most dangerous beaches in in Hawaii right there. The the yeah. rip tides and the shore break there is is no joke. So if you get to Hanakapiai Beach whether you're doing Kalalau Trail or just to there and you're hot and stay out of the water. That's not the place to go in yeah, the water. Yeah,
1: for sure. It is extremely scary. Even in the summer it was still really rough looking. I would not have gone in. There's no way. But, oh, my gosh, that beach is gorgeous. That was my first time seeing it, and I loved it. We actually stopped there on the hike out because we were ahead of schedule, and we spent a couple hours, and it was just beautiful.
0: If you're standing on the trail looking out at the water at Hanakapiai Beach, there's so is that, like, cave area off to the left? Is that That's where you guys went yeah. and took some pictures at, right?
1: Yeah, we were having a blast over there.
0: Yeah, I never went there when I went to Hanakapiai Beach. oh you
1: have to go back (laughs) I know
0: now I have some questions to ask you after you pass Hanakapiai Beach I've heard that that's one of the worst sections of the Kalalau Trail because I've heard the climb after that is just wicked you've already come up 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 and then down 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 to the valley there where the beach is at I've heard that climb from Hanakapiai Beach is one of the worst would you agree with that? Yes, (laughs)
1: especially in the heat. The whole trail is like a roller coaster in terms of elevation. It is. It's up and down, up and down. But there's a few climbs that are really brutal. And that is one of them. I don't know how familiar everybody is with Oahu and some of the hikes over here. But we have a hike called the Cocoa Crater Tramway Stairs. And have you heard of that one, Ty?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Okay, so it's an old tramway from World War II, and now it's just turned into like a park with a hike. You can hike up the tramway. Not the haiku
0: stairs, So is... We're talking something totally different, right?
1: Totally different, Yeah, yes. okay. Um, and this one is much, much shorter than haiku stairs, but mm-hmm. the elevation gain is very significant. I feel like that hike was taken out and placed into this section of Kalalau Trail. <laughs> it is intense hiking up that part.
0: After you leave the beach there, when you're hiking up, does the trail still maintain itself as far as, like, it's maintained? Or does it get, like, a lot rougher, like, a lot more grown in, a lot harder to traverse? Does it get a lot... A lot rougher. Yeah. If you're going to go from Hanakapiai Beach back to the falls, that's what it was like going back to the falls. Like, I left and we started walking back to the falls and it's like, is this the right trail, man? A goat trail or, you know... Looking around it's on this like little one foot wide pathway and greenery and stuff everywhere. How much worse would you say it is than the than the trail to the beach once you leave the beach and continue down the down the Kalal Trail?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's a very significant difference. Um, You know, the crowd disappears and the trail reflects it. It becomes much more narrow. It's very overgrown. There's a couple spots where we kind of lost the trail. You know, there's a lot of stream crossings aside from the major river crossings. And during the stream crossings, it's really hard to figure out where the trail picks up again. And that might have been due to the drought as well, because it was just so dry and maybe not as obvious. But, yeah, it's tough. A lot of people recommend wearing long pants because it's so overgrown. I, because I get so overheated, I definitely wore shorts. But it wasn't bad. Like, I didn't feel like my legs got cut up or anything. But you are walking through a lot of brush after the two-mile point.
0: Now, your first day there, you didn't go all the way to Kalalau Beach, right? You camped at Hanako Valley there? So that's at the six-mile marker, whereas Kalalau Beach is at 11. Tell me what you can about that journey from Hanakapiai to Hanakoa. That's a section I've never done before. So how would you explain Mm -hmm. that to me?
1: You know, the first couple miles that you did do to Hanakapiai Beach, it's a lot like that the whole way to mile six. It was definitely Mm -hmm. the hardest part for me. The only
0: time the trail comes down to sea level, though, is at Hanakapiai and then again at uh, Kalalau Beach, right?
1: Yeah. But you're still going up and down down. and up
0: and down through the valleys the whole way?
1: The whole way. And then you go way down to the Mile 6 Hanakoa campground. That's like, yeah, that decline right there at the end. But yeah, the trail is very similar. It changes a lot after Mile 6. That's where you see like a drastic difference.
0: So all the way to Hanakoa Mile 6, you would say it's that same really dense jungle It's around you, you're looking down the coast, you can look down at areas and see some really cute views, cute, (laughs) really beautiful (laughs) views of the coast there. Are you shaded at all or are you kind of in the sun the whole way?
1: It depends. There are definitely spots where you're shaded by all the trees, but then it gets open and exposed again for a period of time. The train is constantly changing, which is actually pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Um, You never know what you're going to get around the next corner. But it's very similar. A lot of it is open and exposed and then you'll go through the shaded tree part and then it'll switch back. But it's just up and down roller coaster that whole way. And it was just so hot. Again, I'll go back to that heat, that extreme heat. It just really affected me. So we didn't exactly have a plan going in. We just decided we're going to feel it out, see how we felt at mile six and make a decision, see what time it was. And timing-wise, we could have gone all the way to Kalalau, but we were just exhausted and we were just kind of done. So we decided to camp at Hanakoa.
0: So there's three river crossings on the way to Kualao Beach. There's the one at Hanakapiai Beach, there's one at Hanakoa, and then there's one right before you get to Kalalao. The one I always hear that gives a lot of people the problems is when it's raining and the river swells up at Hanakapiai. I don't know if maybe that's just because more people traverse that area. I know you Ooh. went here during a drought, but if what you saw of Hanakoa, does it look like it could be equally dangerous with Hanakapiai if the rain's picked up there?
1: Yeah, so interestingly, we had no problems with Hanakapiai, but we did have problems on the way out with Hanakoa. Hmm. Um, I didn't get to that part yet, but we had torrential rain the whole last night before we left, and the Hanakoa River was raging when we were trying to cross it.
0: Even though I've never personally hiked there, they do know that they have shelters on each side, just because Hanakoa can be bad enough that Whichever way you're going, you could end up stuck on that side of the river waiting for it to subside. But yeah, tell me what it was like on your way out. How bad was it?
1: Yeah. Well, let me start by just talking about the campground. Because I wanted to say, Hanakoa Campground, it's honestly really underrated. It's beautiful. I know everybody just wants to get to Kalau Beach and camp there. And I totally get it. But I loved Hanakoa. <laughs> Okay, so when you first get there, it's not so nice. You have the smelly bathrooms, but like you said, there's another camp set up over across from the river, and that part is gorgeous. There's a stunning waterfall right there, and you can set up your camp, and it's beautiful, and it's cool. Um, we, I know a lot of people complain about mosquitoes. We really didn't have any, so maybe just because it's summer, I don't know. But we loved it. So then on our way back... Hanakoa was kind of raging because we had, I would say probably about 15, 16 hours of torrential rain nonstop. So it got kind of bad and we were nervous. So Hanakoa river has a log. It's like a fallen tree that crosses a river. It's there intentionally. So people, I think if the river is high or if it is raging, you can walk across the log, but (laughs) My friends and I were really nervous to do that with our heavy packs on our backs. Yeah. And luckily, these two guys came across at the same time and they needed to get across as well. And they were just like fearless, amazing hikers. And they helped us. They took our packs across for us and met us on the other side. So we could just focus on getting across this log without falling. And honestly, I'm not sure we would have attempted it without them because the river was high. It was raging. It was scary at that point in time. It was like all of these rapids and waterfalls it was just a completely different river than it had been on the way in
0: i was saying in the setup for this show here how Kalalao is always one of the top 10 hikes in the world as far as the most beautiful hikes it's listed on the list of top 10 adventures it's also always listed on the list of top 10 most dangerous trails in the world and i think other than the strenuous aspect like someone dropping dead of a heart attack The reason it gets that is because we haven't gotten to it yet, but uh, the uh, crawler's ledge part kind of scares people. But I think the biggest danger of this is when those rivers pick up on the river crossings. And I think you really got to be careful about those. I would definitely say err on the side of caution, even if you have to camp there extra time. Don't... It's not worth it. So...
1: 100%. And that's what we would have done if these two guys didn't come across and help us because we... You know, I, I'm a researcher. I did so much research on the whole hike before I did it. And I watched horror videos of people getting swept away. I know how bad it could get. And I was, I was really nervous. Um, so thankfully there was that log and these two guys who helped us, or we probably would have been camping an extra day. It's true.
0: It's funny. You talked about these people helping you. You hear, it's almost legendary when you hear about the people at Kalalau. Mm. What was your experience and the people you run into either people that might have been living at the beach or people that you passed along the trail on the way as a whole?
1: Everybody was amazing. Everybody was so kind, so nice. Everybody wanted to help each other no matter what it was. Like if somebody needed water, people would give them water. If somebody was having a hard time, everybody was just so willing to help and so friendly and you know, it wasn't like they're just passing each other and ignoring each other. Everybody's out there. as like a team. It's a crazy feeling. You really feel it when you're out there. I didn't have an opportunity to meet any of the people living out there. I've heard a lot about them. I know they exist. I did not see any of them, though.
0: It's almost like that mana almost seeps into everybody. The, the kind of person that feels drawn to do this trail, you're all feeling the island while you're there. You know what I mean? Even if yeah. you're about to drop dead from heat stroke, <laughs> you <laughs> yes. feel in the island. And everybody does realize the the nature of the trail can be so de- physically demanding. Everybody takes care of each other. There's like the kind of people that end up out there. That's one of the reasons I love the group on Facebook, the Kalal Trail group so much. And it's like you can you can just feel it. Now, I've never been past hanukkah Beach. But I've watched enough and I've read enough and I've been around Kauai enough to know that you get that feeling. There's almost that magic that seeps into you. And I can only imagine the people, as you get farther and farther down this trail, the people that feel that pull, you know, it's... um,
1: It's true. You know, yeah. And there's no shame in struggling. That's the beautiful part about it, too. Like, nobody shames you. Nobody makes you feel bad. They just want to help you. It really is, like, a beautiful feeling. And it is. It's that mana. You're right. 100% agree.
0: Did you take this side trip up to Hanakoa Falls? It's, like, a half mile up.
1: So that was interesting because when we were at Hanakoa, again, we camped across the river from the bathrooms. There's a beautiful waterfall right there that was flowing so nicely. We went for a swim. It was so refreshing. We saw Hanakoa Falls when we were hiking in and it was like barely a trickle from the drought. It was basically nothing. And we Wait, wait, were you saw you saw
0: it hiking in?
1: Yeah. You, I thought it was a half
0: mile you, up. So you, there's a spot where you can look up and see where it's at?
1: There's one spot where you can look up. And I actually didn't even notice. It, my friends pointed it out where you can get a view of it. And we were like, wow, because it was barely there. It was a trickle. And then we did have full intentions on hiking to it because it was only a half mile in. But that night, my blisters were so bad. Oh, no. I didn't want to do it. So we were going to do it the next day, but that's when we got the inclement weather and we never ended up doing it.
0: Did you ever see the movie, The Perfect Getaway? Yes. So for anybody yes. listening, that was filmed along the Kalalau Trail. So if you want to see some good footage of it, that's a good film to see. Although I didn't like the movie itself. I literally just watched it for the footage. There's that one scene in the movie where they're at a waterfall kind of floating around in the water. And I was thinking, God, what waterfall is that? I know it's not Hanakapiai. And I asked a friend of mine, he's like, no, that wasn't Hanako. He goes, I don't know where they got that scene from. Might have been somewhere else on the island. So the question I'm asking you is what you saw from Hanakoa didn't look anything like that waterfall spot in the movie, did it?
1: I would have to watch the movie again, to be honest with you. I can't remember, but I don't think so. I actually heard that a lot of that movie was not filmed on Kalalau Trail.
0: So, but but you can tell know. you can tell the part that was, even if yeah. part of it wasn't.
1: I'd have to take another look. I can't remember to be honest, but it probably wasn't. Is my guess. I'll
0: tell you my favorite movie. I never get enough watching. You ever watched Six Days, Seven Nights? Oh yeah. I've probably watched that movie <laughs> twenty five times. I have to watch it all the time. Okay. Oh gosh. So the next morning you wake up. Um, it's probably a good idea that you stayed at Hanako if you were so beat up and tired and exhausted because you don't want to go through crawler's ledge when you're that beat up and tired and your legs are all stumbling crawler's ledge is at seven miles hanako is at six so it seems like you pretty much started right out into crawler's ledge explain that to anyone listening as if they've never heard of crawler's ledge before tell them what that area of the trail is like
1: okay so crawler's ledge is pretty famous for this hike it is a huge rock ridgeline line that just goes straight into the ocean. It's very, very narrow part of the trail. It kind of slants toward the ocean. A lot of people are very afraid of it. If you're afraid of heights, I would caution you about doing this hike because it's legit. It's intense. I So you've got like
0: sheer cliff walls and then you're like on this little like barely leveled out one or two foot path in it and then it just goes off the other way into the ocean right
1: it's just a straight drop off into the ocean and I mean I don't know how many feet but it is high and you're walking on a path that's about in some areas it's a foot wide in some areas it's like two feet wide like you said it kind of changes it's rock so I don't know I mean to me that was like one of the easier parts of the hike though because I don't really have that fear of heights and I do a lot of ridge hiking on Oahu, and I've done much scarier ones. But if you have a fear of (laughs) heights, beware. You definitely have to mentally prepare yourself for this part of the hike. It's definitely very intense. Now, on the way in, we did it early in the morning. The weather was beautiful. It was dry. It was a breeze. There's also Red Hill, which is before and after Crawler's Ledge, that for me was scarier.
0: Crawler's Ledge is more cut into the rock. Red Hill is more like red dirt, which yeah. erodes away under your feet on the cliff, <laughs> right?
1: That was the part that was scary because it also slopes right into the ocean with like crazy drop-offs. But this time you just have that crumbly dirt under your feet and you're slipping and sliding. That was much scarier for me. So so I don't
0: mean to keep interrupting, but I have to clarify this for my own sake. I'm not even doing this for listeners. It's just, I'm curious. (laughs) So, so uh, when you're going through crawlers ledge, if you fall, are you falling off a cliff? Or are you sliding down a hillside and you may come to a stop? Or are you going all the way 1,000 feet down into the ocean?
1: Okay, Crawler's Ledge, if you fall, you're going into the ocean. Red Hill, you could possibly catch yourself.
0: But if it's muddy and wet, you're probably just sliding and falling into the ocean while you slide slower.
1: There's a YouTube video that you can look up on this. Um, it's Hiking Kalalau When a Storm Hits. Mm -hmm. And it shows this, how scary it is in torrential rain and wind. And, yeah, it's very slick. Now, we experienced that on the way out. Wow. So we had torrential rain and high winds on the way out. And what was easy for me on the way in became terrifying on the way out all of crawlers ledge and red hill it was so slippery the rock got wet and slippery on crawlers ledge we had like a death grip on the side of the you know the rock at the side that you could hold on to and then when we got to red hill it was like it was also bad instead of that crumbly dirt it just became slick that red mud and um that's it terrifying because yeah, it's
0: like doing it's like you got a cliff a thousand feet down and you're walking yeah. on ice
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really scary. And it wasn't quite as bad as the video because it had just started raining at that point. But I feel like if we had done it, you know, five hours later, it probably would have been as bad as that video.
0: Now, answer this for me. The parts that are muddy on both sides of Crawler's Ledge and Crawler's Ledge, how long does it take you to go through both of those great conditions on your way in, terrible conditions on your way out?
1: It's actually really fast in good conditions. It may be really terrifying, but I wanna say it's all over within like twenty minutes or so. It's really short, but on the way out, I would say it was probably an hour because we were going so slow, and it was so technical. We were watching every step
0: That's insane. You had a I know. you had some pictures on your Facebook of you walking in and there was I was telling a friend of mine that I was going to be doing this interview with you, and him and his wife do all kinds of hiking, and he'd never heard of the Kalalau Trail. I'm like, how you never heard wow. of Kalalau? Yeah, so I actually sent him a picture. I just snapped a picture off your Facebook page, the one I think it shows your back as you were going through Crawler's Ledge, that area right there. You've got the poles you mm-hmm. took, and I sent it to him, and he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Anna's not doing it either. <laughs> So
1: I will say, Ty, so again, I have a lot of experience with ridge hiking, but when the weather conditions were good, I would say the YouTube videos and the photos make it look a lot scarier than it is. When you're there in person under good conditions, it was okay, in my opinion. But again, I don't have that fear of heights, but under inclement weather conditions, it was a complete game changer. That was terrifying. Well, me. you've got
0: two things to worry about too. Not only do you got to worry about falling off, how far would you say it is down from that point? About a thousand feet?
1: At least. Yeah. It's a lot. But
0: you've in bad weather conditions, you've got to worry about stuff coming down above you onto you too.
1: Oh, and that's the other thing. Even in good weather conditions, the mountain boots, I forgot to mention them. They kick <laughs> rocks and boulders. Like you have to be careful and all of the trail but especially crawlers ledge they just come running across up there and all of these boulders and rocks will come flying down at you i wonder (laughs) if anybody's
0: ever been knocked off the cliff by a goat like in the the history of of that would be crazy okay so we're going through crawlers ledge on the way there you pass it you can see the beach in the distance Mm mm-hmm What's that feeling arriving at Kalalao Beach like?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, when you get that first peak of Kalalau Beach, it just gives you that motivation, that push to finish. And when you, you first there, see
0: it, how far are you still from it?
1: It's a little deceiving. You see it and you feel like you're so much closer than you are. <laughs> but you probably still have a few more miles when you can see it. Because there's actually, you could see the two beaches at one point. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, you could see both of them. And it's really cool. I wish I got a picture of that, actually. I wish you did, too. I'd
0: love to see that, yeah. At that
1: point, I was so tired. I just couldn't even pull my phone out. But I wish I did. But yeah, it's a really cool view. And I would say that's just a little bit after Crawler's Ledge that you get that viewpoint. And then you just feel like you're so close, but you're still a few miles away.
0: You said you were interested in kayaking Kalalau as well, right?
1: I really want to do that now. Okay, now,
0: it was one of the most amazing days of my life, but I'll give you a warning as well, just like you warned everybody you see the beach and you still got three miles to go. When you are kayaking Kalalau, when you first get to the point where you see Polahali Beach at the end, Mm -hmm. there it is, and it stays there for hours. (laughs) 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 you're like, I'm right there, but it just stays there forever. And and you feel like you're there and you're not. So, yeah. It
1: just never gets closer. It doesn't. And then (laughs)
0: suddenly you're there, but it doesn't feel like it's getting closer at all. It's like you feel like, okay, I'm going to do the sprint. And you're hours later, you're still going. Good to
1: know. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So you get there.
1: So, yeah. Then you get to that final river crossing at Kalalao. And that was totally fine, too, by the way, because we had good weather, no issues there. And then you get there, you get to Kalawau Beach, and it is just like pure magic. It's such a spiritual and magical place and journey. And when you finally reach your destination, I don't know how to put it into words, Ty. It's just pure magic when you finally see it. It really is that special. I just, words don't do it justice it's a lot bigger than I realized. There's a lot of different areas to camp. You can camp anywhere from like that last river crossing all the way to the waterfall on the other side. And the waterfall is beautiful too. And the beach, it's just so stunning with that cliff line view the Nepali coast. I, the sand is so white. It's so fine. The whole view, it's just so raw and untouched. It's beautiful. But it also has the all of the trees and the shade and it's just the best of everything. It's it's beautiful. It's it's perfection.
0: How many people were there?
1: Um we didn't actually see a ton of people, but they must have been all out for the day, maybe hiking the valley or something. We did see a bunch of tents. We probably saw I don't know, maybe like 20 tents, but they're all very spread out. It doesn't feel crowded. You don't feel like, you know, you can find your own area and it could be so private. Now, when we got there, again, we were still having that extreme heat at that point in time. And the beach, the sand on the beach was so hot that the beach was completely secluded. It was empty. Nobody was on the beach because the sand was too hot, which made for amazing pictures. Like it just looked
0: amazing I, I pictures of you and is... your hiking boots because those are the only shoes you brought
1: <laughs> i love that you noticed yeah no because... i just
0: i i just guessed at it right now is what i just did
1: yeah but Now i gotta go back and learn. to walk and bare feet it was so funny so we're like okay we're just gonna wear hiking boots on the beach and we did <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> That's it's another funny. reason
1: to bring camp shoes Yes.
0: that is so funny where did you camp at there
1: Okay, so I should back up and tell you that we did not end up camping there because we had to cut our trip a day short. So for this reason, I am 100% determined to go back into it again. Um, But because my friend had the funeral and she had a flight to catch, we cut a day off of our trip. We ended up just leaving our campsite set up at Hanakoa, and we took our day packs, and we just did a day's trip to Kalalau Beach. So we ended up, and then going back that night, so we did 10 miles in one day that day.
0: In hindsight, are you glad you didn't have your pack with you when you were going back?
1: Yeah, it was nice to not have the pack. That made a huge difference. I was really looking forward to camping at Kalalau, right. so um, I was very disappointed, but also, you know, I wanted to do what we needed to do to make sure my friend caught her flight and she just didn't want to take the risk of having to do the whole 11 miles back and then possibly missing her flight if we were running into any trouble.
0: Did you know this was going to be the case before you even started on the trip or did she get a call?
1: It was the day before we flew to Kauai that she got the call and okay. we had to make a decision. So, yeah, yeah. Initially, I guess we were kind of hoping we would have done the full 11 miles the first day and can't the Kalalau, but that didn't happen. So, you know, we had to improvise.
0: Just clarifying what was going to be my next question about the call thing. You have no phone reception at all the way down the coast there, right? They haven't added any towers since I yeah. was the-
1: Even where you get dropped off the parking lot, there's no cell reception there either, mm-hmm. which is why you have to schedule your rides in advance and hopefully <laughs> stick to your plan to get picked up.
0: So how much time did you spend at Kalalau Beach? I'm assuming you didn't hike up to Big Pool or anything up in the valley if you went back that day.
1: No, we didn't get to do any of that, unfortunately, which, again, was a huge disappointment. But it is what it is. And we spent the whole day at the beach, though. It was nice. We didn't head back until, well, we, you know, we didn't want to get back at dark, so we left. I can't remember exactly how long it took us, but I want to say maybe like three hours or so.
0: Did you um, go, so we got
1: back to Hanako that evening.
0: Did you go in the water at Kalalau?
1: I mean, I just put my feet in. I didn't go in. Mostly just because the beach was so hot and I had my hiking boots. <laughs> so I took them off. I put my feet in. But I didn't go for a full swim, though. So
0: you don't know about the conditions in the water there, though?
1: It was calm. It was very calm. I can't tell you the current for sure. Right. But it, it seemed pretty calm. I will say nobody was in the water all day though. Maybe I saw maybe one person go for a swim, but again, I think it's such a long beach. That's another thing I forgot to mention. The beach goes on for like, it feels like miles before you get to the water. <laughs> so because the beach with the sand was so burning hot, I think people just weren't going
0: in. So you guys did not try to get over to Hanapu beach then?
1: We didn't do that. Now
0: here. Later on in the summer, it gets easier to do, but then I yeah. also hear you got to be very careful because, and it's the same way when you kayak, the current goes that way down the coast. So you're swimming against the currents coming back. So I heard that the water has to be dead calm and it's even better if you have flippers with you on the way that back.
1: That makes a lot of sense, but I could tell you there's no way I'm carrying flippers out there. <laughs> right,
0: right. Totally. Extra weight totally. to my
1: pack. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, but, I mean, I didn't see any going out there. I feel like if you were going to do it, this is the perfect time of year to give it a try. Of course, you know, being safe. I'm not the strongest swimmer, to be honest. I don't know if I would have felt comfortable trying it.
0: I'm kind of not either. We have a lot of things in common. Yeah. (laughs) 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 When I uh, went to Hanama Bay with my friends on Oahu there, they're, they're the ones that go out there by the mouth. And I'm the one that stays on the inside. You know, I barely go over the reef.
1: Oh. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So I'm not that guy. Damn, damn. So you left Kalalao the same day you got there. What time yeah. did you get back to Hanakoa? Was it dark?
1: We got, no, it wasn't dark yet. We left a few hours, um, just extra cushion time in case. But the hike back was. Um, Actually, it wasn't good. That's when the inclement weather started. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's when we had to cross back Crawler's Ledge in the horrible rain and wind. And it took us longer than we expected. But we still got back by like six thirty, six forty-five. So it wasn't dark yet. We were really grateful. We had our camp set up already because it was pouring out and it was miserable at that point in time.
0: <laughs> and then the next day you got up and you finished, you went back to K.A. after that. Or back to yeah. Ohio State Park. When you get done with this trip, are you just so exhausted? Or what's what are your emotions when you get back to K.A. Beach?
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Exhausted but accomplished. It's a mixed, weird feeling. Like, you're so exhausted but so relieved. And it feels so good to know you did it. Mm-hmm. And it's just such an accomplishment. For some reason, the hike out is just way easier than the hike in and we made so much better time and even with the heat because it did clear up that day and it got hot again but we maybe it's less elevation gain I guess that's what it is going out um and we made great time so we stopped at Hanakapiai Beach like I said earlier and we spent a few hours there and we just had the time of our lives at that beach before we finished it and then from Hanakapiai Beach to the end those last two miles were so brutal even though they're not really that hard going that direction just because you're so close yet so far and your body is so
0: tired. That up from Hanukkahpe beach, when you're coming back, it's, it's like, okay, we're going back up again. (laughs) So.
1: It's true. There was a lot of, there was a lot more elevation gain than I realized going that direction, but then the last mile is like straight down decline. So that helped.
0: (laughs) My friend, Carol and I were talking when her and my other friend Dave went over to Hanukapai Beach, and she was pointing out that she goes, when you're coming back from Hanukapai Beach, she goes, you can't really stop. She goes, it's really steep, and you're going up, 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 yeah. and you can't stop because there's these like red ants all over the place. And it's funny. She tells me that story, and then I did Hanukapai, like years after she did And same thing. I can't say it's the same thing right now. But yeah, when I'm walking back up, I'm like, this is what Carol was talking about. You stop and there's red ants crawling on your feet. So it's like once you start walking, you just got to keep going when you're going up that section of trail there.
1: Let me tell you, the red ants, the whole entire way we had them, the whole entire trail, that never stops. They're crazy. Every time you stop to take a little break and you sit on a rock, you see the red ants everywhere. They're all over your pack, (laughs) all over your body. Make sure you have all of your food in tight, sealed Ziploc bags um, because those ants get everywhere. They're crazy.
0: They're like turning it into a forced march on you. (laughs) I know. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. Now, the Sierra Club rates the Kalalau Trail a 9 out of their difficulty 1 to 10. And when I was looking at your stuff online, I saw that it kicked your butt. Um, (laughs) Hiking to Hanakapiai actually kicked mine. Not just the first two miles, I thought, well, this is going to be you know, somewhat easy. But once I left the beach and went back to the falls, it's just like crossing the river back and forth and back and forth and stepping over roots and wondering where the trail is. It's like mentally and physically draining. And the only thing that keeps you going is the mana of it. You know what I mean? The the magic of the moment. So what I wanted to ask you, having done all the way to Kalalau and back, what advice would you give people on getting in shape to go or what kind of shape do you need to be in before you decide this is something I'm going to do?
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. The mana does pull you and it gives you that motivation to finish, but you do want to be in shape. You want to train for this. You need to be in better than average shape. I would say it's intense. I mean, I hike a lot. I love, love hiking. And I thought I was in really good shape. I've done really hard hikes here on Oahu, but I was not in shape for this hike. It kicked my butt. It is like a nine out of 10. It truly is. And so much of it is that roller coaster up and down the elevation gain. It just never ends the whole time. And it's so steep at times. You have that heat that you have to deal with. I would say One thing would be train a lot and train a lot with the weight on your back. Don't be afraid to camp halfway. There's nothing wrong with that because like you said, you don't really want to be doing crawler's ledge when you're exhausted and overheated. I think that was part of our decision as well. We wanted to be fresh in the morning to start with that.
0: Um, When you get your camping permit, it gives you it's basically permits for both campgrounds, right? So if you're, you don't have to yeah. get it at Kelalao, you can go, okay, I'm done. We're stopping here. And that's fine. Right?
1: Exactly. You can camp wherever you want. If you have a permit. Yep. You can make a decision on the fly, which is exactly what we did.
0: Okay. Now, another question I have for you, you said that you brought too many toiletries and yeah. this article that I actually quoted before we started recording our podcast. It says this, I'm going to quote this. It says composting toilets are available at Hanakapiai, Hanakoa and Kelalao. But when I did that hike to Hanakapiai falls, the composting toilets there at the beach, they were like completely unusable. Like I've never seen, and I was a guy that worked in the trades for a while in construction. Right. So I've used outhouses. I don't have a problem with them. But whatever this was looked like an outhouse in an insane asylum. I wouldn't even like. Oh no! I would have never sat down. I couldn't have sat down. Let me tell you, someone had like painted with their finger in crap on the toilet seat, and there were. Oh my god! Yeah, and the thing was full, and it reeked, and there were like beer bottles in there and everything. It was all I could do to stand there with the door open and pee. As a man pees, right? I would have never in a million years sat on that toilet. So what was your experience or the people with you, the experiences of the outhouses along the way? You, I heard you mention that it reeked terribly at Hanakoa Valley and I just let it go because I knew this question was coming up. But what was yeah. your experience overall on the trip?
1: Okay, so I did not use the toilets on Hanakoa Beach at all, so I can't even speak to that. But I imagine, because it has so much more of a crowd coming in every day, that those are probably the worst. Hanakoa was not great. It smelled. It wasn't full, um, and it wasn't, like, the actual toilet seat seemed clean enough. It wasn't disgusting. It just smelled so bad. And then the ones at Kalalao were surprisingly clean. They were totally fine. And I've heard otherwise, like I've heard people like say they're so bad that they won't even use them. So maybe our timing was just good. I'm not really sure. But Kalalau, yeah, they were great. They didn't smell or anything. So we were really lucky with that. But you do have to bring your own toilet paper. They do ask that you use the toilets instead of like bringing a shovel and burying it. There's signs everywhere asking that you do use the toilet.
0: Let's put it this way. If you have a sign saying I would have had to use that toilet at Hanakapiai, I would have never seen that sign. I would have pretended <laughs> I never saw that sign. It smelled toxic to be near. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. I've never seen an outhouse as bad in my entire life. I've heard other people say that, but then I've heard other people say they were clean. So maybe it is a timing thing too. No, no idea. So now, now, now that oh. you've done this... If you were to do it again, how long yeah. would you do it for? Because it, it seems like it would make it a lot easier if you hiked into Hanakoa, stayed there a day, went yes. to Kalalao, stayed there a day, maybe two days at Kalalao and appreciated the area, went back to Hanakoa, stayed there a day. You know, I mean, that seems like it would make it a lot easier rather than a forced march in, you know?
1: Yeah, so my original plan of four days, three nights, I think would have been just perfect. Um, I could have even done an extra day. Um, but I think really the three nights, four days would have been perfect for me. Not too long, not too short. Would have been able to break up the hike and still have that full rest day at Kalalao um, and camp there. So if I were to do it again, I would definitely do at least three nights.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and wrapping things up. But these aren't going to be short questions. That's what, okay. What would you say would be your top five tips for anybody who wants to do Kalalao?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Okay. A- so other, than your, one, other
0: than your wonderful tips you gave out about permitting, because those were, you can't do the oh, trail right, without right. that t- those <laughs> tips. So other than that, what would be your top five tips?
1: Start training really early and train way harder and way more than you think you need to. And do it with a lot of weight on your back. Definitely do not make it your first backpacking trip. If you're new to this, please do a backpacking trip ahead of time and get some experience and understanding of what you should versus shouldn't bring. Um, I think an important tip would be to bring reef shoes or some kind of shoes to help you cross the rivers because... You're not going to want to get your hiking boots wet because if you, you know, say you're at mile 2, you cross a river, say you fall off a rock or you just or it's really deep and you just have to wade through it, you have wet boots, wet socks, you're going to get really bad blisters from that. So definitely bring something to change into, whether it's water shoes or whatever it may be. And I know it's annoying to take the time to have to stop and change, but it is really worth it. I did that and I still got blisters. So I can't imagine having done the hike in wet shoes and wet socks.
0: Speaking of the shoes, by the way, when I did Hanakapiai, this is one of the reasons I like hiking sandals so much. And granted, I don't have a backpack on my back. But all those water crossings, you crossed that river like eight times. And I could not see having hiking boots and taking them on and off and on and off and on and off and on. You just ended up having to walk through. And now you're walking up and down and through all that stuff with soggy boots on, which just seemed miserable. (laughs) So obviously different shoes for different purposes completely. All right. What else you got?
1: Um, I would say really think hard and consider what time of year might be best for you. Summer is the safest time. And that's why we really wanted to go in summer, um, less of a chance of rainfall, but you know what, we got the rain anyway, but if I were to do it again, I don't think I would do summer because the heat was just too extreme for me. I don't do well in heat and I know that about myself. And so if I were to get permits again, I think I would probably do September, October time because it's still before rainy season but it's not going to be the extreme heat that we're having right now okay um so that would be a tip for just to consider i would say also bring extra food i did not realize how hungry i would be (laughs) and i thought i had plenty of food which i did but i could have used more i think you're just burning so many calories your body is constantly working hard in motion and i was ravenous (laughs) so yeah there's a lot
0: of here's a weird question along that line if you're bringing extra food you also want to make sure it's light right you don't want to pack it up how about those like rations would those be good or no those, like, you yeah, know, you got to add water type things?
1: Yep, yeah, we brought those. We brought those for dinner, the freeze-dried meals that you just boil water and add the water to. Um, those are great. So there are, like, two servings. Um, so what we did, because there were three of us, we just would get a few of those and just share them. We'd make them all and share them for dinner every night, and that worked out great. There's definitely, you know, they're designed for hiking and backpacking. And so they have a lot of calories and a lot of protein in them. And they really hit the spot. Like at night, you really want something that's going to satisfy you. You want that hot meal. It just feels so good to be able to sit down and eat. Like <laughs> right. What when you're out there, it feels like a real meal. It really does. <laughs> you don't
0: want to do that all day and then have to eat like a Trisket with some cheese on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. No, I know a lot of people want to save weight and just bring like peanut butter sandwiches and stuff. I could not imagine not having hot meals every night. They just really hit the spot.
0: I agree. So, I agree. Nice bed and a nice meal if you're going to put your body yeah. to take care of yourself. Um, For sure. What else? One more tip.
1: I would just say do your research. There's a lot of things to know, including Get how you're going to get to the trailhead and knowing that you're not going to have service, knowing that you're not going to have GPS, download a map ahead of time on an app, whether it's all trails or whatever app you might use, because there are times when it's easy to lose the trail. People don't realize that. But, you know, there's right. not a ton of people hiking it after mile two and you might not see anybody if you get lost to help you out. So just be prepared. So I think those would be my biggest tips. Uh, I mean I could go on forever. I could add more and say, you know, your your shoes. Make sure you have shoes with amazing traction. Right, yeah. I I was
0: gonna say we could add all those things too, we've talked to but like the shoes, like the poles and things like that as well. And pay attention to the weather, we could say that probably as well. And heed the weather if it's raining. Don't try to cross a stream. Because I think Yeah,
1: and you know I We really lucked out because right when we got home, a tropical storm was coming from the south, and I was just so grateful for our timing. If we were a week later, I don't know if we would have gone.
0: Wow. Crazy. Okay. I'm going to give you one more question of top fives. Your top five memories that you took from the trip.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's such a hard question. <laughs> um, okay. Number one, that rainbow pick right in the beginning of the hike, that We got, I think the hike started out so intense, so much harder than we expected and realized. And then we saw that rainbow and it just rejuvenated us. And I will remember that feeling forever, just like staring at that rainbow over the Nepali coast.
0: That was a Um, massive rainbow and it was a full rain. It was like, no joke. It was huge.
1: It was beautiful. Yeah, It was so spectacular And then number two, now this is not a good memory, but it's a memory, and that would be Crawler's Ledge and Inclement Weather. (laughs) I will never forget that. It Honestly, it feels so surreal looking back and thinking about it. Like we were just, you know, you kind of trench into that survival mode and you're just going, but you're just living in the moment and you're going and you're doing what you need to do. But looking back on it, it was really scary. Number three for me would be that first look at Palo Alto Beach. Like, I mean, when we actually got there, that first feeling when we stepped foot on. Okay, Palo Alto so Beach. stepping
0: not not the first glimpse of the trail, the first time you actually stepped on Alto Beach, that feeling of accomplishment and and being there yeah. and taking it all in, huh?
1: And just not being able to believe we really made it we were really here and just knowing like you know it was a bucket list item of mine for years and i did it and that was just so huge to me that feeling yeah but also i mean getting the peak of it from the trail that was special too but i don't think that would make my top five just because it just dragged on for so much longer after that first peak
0: (laughs) (laughs) when i did hanakapi falls I remember sitting at the base of the falls, and Hanakapiae Falls in front of you is just a huge cliff wall, and then the canyon sides are on both sides of you, and both sides are covered with ferns and vegetation and everything all around you, so you sit in the middle of this, and the waterfall comes down forever into this pool, and you sit there, and Hanakapiae Falls is eight miles round trip, but it feels like you've done like 12 it feels a lot longer yeah. than eight because of not just the up and down but all the steps and the roots and all that stuff and i remember sitting there and honestly thinking if i died right now i'd die a happy man <laughs> Yes. and i don't know if that's totally how you related being yeah. on kalalau to. You know, when you first no walked...
1: Totally. I felt so accomplished and so happy and so at peace. It was just like I kept saying, it was such a spiritual journey mm-hmm. and it was just so magical. And it was just that combination and that mana and just everything, the accomplishment. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's such a perfect way of putting it.
0: Right. If I
1: died right there, I would have been happy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and then number five for me would be that feeling when we finished the hike. Just again that feeling of accomplishment and knowing that we did it, and yeah, that that's just that moment I will never forget how I felt. I mean, it was my body was beyond exhausted, but I was so happy and so content, and it was just incredible.
0: I think that's four, um, but would I be wrong if I added one to your list just from what I saw on Facebook? Tell me how wrong I am of this. It seemed to me that on your way back, when you knew you were done, you felt the end is just over the ridge, when you guys stopped at Hanakapi'i Beach and played around on the beach, it seemed like that was a yes. special moment to you. Am I wrong in that or no?
1: No, you're right. Actually, Hanakapi'i Beach is my number four. I'm sorry. I skipped over it.
0: Really? Yeah. You skipped so, it and I pulled it out.
1: <laughs> that's hilarious. For because anybody I'm listening, not, actually...
0: For anybody listening, I don't see your notes. <laughs> I didn't see your notes. So, yeah,
1: that's so funny. Yeah. Sorry. I skipped <laughs> over that. That yeah. was for me because I had never been to Hanakapiai Beach before. That was just so magical. And I just loved exploring those sea caves. We had so much fun and it was so beautiful. Honestly, other than Kalalau Beach, Hanakapiai Beach is probably one of the most magical and beautiful beaches I think I've ever been to.
0: Mm-hmm. It's pretty They say don't even put a toe in that water because the rip currents are so bad right at the water's edge. Since we're raving about it, I really want to beat that home to people. Don't go in that water. Yeah, don't go swimming. Yeah, don't go swimming. Yeah, don't go. Don't even go wading. (laughs) It's true, it's true. Forget swimming. Don't Don't
1: even take your hiking boots off. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. All right, let me step off of the Kalalau story for a second, and that was absolutely amazing. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Before oh, we you. get off the island of Kauai, this was your fifth trip?
1: This is my fifth.
0: Okay. Yep. If you can, I'm going to put you on the spot here to think of some things. What are your top five memories of Kauai outside of Kalalao?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. You know, it's funny. I can do this for you, but I have so many more memories that I want to go back to Kauai and make because now that I have finally gone past Hanalei, I want to explore all of that area between like Honolulu and Ka Beach for sure. Um, But anyway, out of what I have done, I would say my first most magical memory of Kauai would be when I did the Nepali Coast raft tour because that is what made me realize how special the Nepali Coast was and that where I really felt that pull. And that's when I decided that Kalalao Trail was going to be a bucket list item for me. And I would do it one day.
0: (laughs) When you did the Zodiac, were the conditions okay? Did they go in and out of the caves?
1: Oh, yes. And it was so cool to go in those sea caves. And one of them had that waterfall flowing. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was just so, so incredible.
0: The first time I I ever did a boat trip down Kalalao, there was actually somebody walking across Crawler's Ledge at the time. that You could see it. Did you see anybody up on the trail when you first did it?
1: Oh my gosh, that, I think I did. I think that's when I first asked, like, what is that? And that's when I learned about the hike. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true.
0: I remember it's two so things from my boat trip. One was seeing somebody go across Crawler's Ledge, and two was Hanapu Beach, seeing a couple naked people running up through the arch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, that's funny. Just to backtrack for a second, I didn't mention that because it is so spiritual to them. A lot of people do hike hell naked. Now, I've read that.
0: Naked on the trail, not at the beach. Naked hiking down the trail?
1: So I've read that people do all of it. It just depends. But we did see one girl hiking topless, but we didn't see anybody hiking naked. That but was on the, the heat. Beach of... <laughs> it could have been. It could have been. <laughs> But on the beach especially, I've read that a lot of people like to just spend their time naked there. And I did not see any of that. We actually saw a bunch of families with kids and full clothing. So that wasn't my experience, but I have read about that. Okay. (laughs) All right, getting back on track. So number two, I would say the first time I hiked Queen's Bath, I've hiked that quite a few times. But the first time I did it, I think I was just so blown away by, like, the beauty. And I know that's also a dangerous hike. Never turn your back to the ocean or the waves or anything. But just so special for me doing that um, the first time.
0: Did you go in Queen's Bath the first time or did you just hike to it?
1: I did go in. Yeah, it was summertime. It was very calm Mm -hmm. and it seemed pretty safe. So I did go in and it was really cool. Okay, Number three, I would say the first time I saw Waimea Canyon, probably. Yeah. That's just really special, too. Gosh, the colors. I think there was, like, a little waterfall I saw. Just, yeah, really special. Okay. Number four would be the first time I ever saw Hanalei Bay. It was just so special, and it just took my breath away, and I... I don't know. I don't know what it was about Hanalei Bay, but it pulled me in, and because of that, I feel like it's just always going to be a special place
0: to me. It is really magical, honey. When you go down into Hanalei Bay, especially if you lived your whole life in, like you in Philadelphia or in the mainland United States here and so forth, where you're just used to big cities and stuff, you go into the. It's like this little village. that's almost feels like it's a hundred years back in time, and it's got all the beauty. But yet you yeah. don't feel like you're going to get, like, shot at by a cartel with machine guns in the back of a truck. <laughs> you, know, you know, you feel safe That's down in it there. it is. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's just raw. a wonderful place.
1: It's just so raw there. It's like that old Hawaii feeling. And it's just, yeah, it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. My fifth one would be, I don't know, this is kind of a vague one, I guess. But it's special to me. It's just that feeling when I first realized that Kauai had stole my heart. Kauai to me is unlike any other island. It's just, it's so much more special, isn't it? Yeah. And it has, the mana is so much stronger on Kauai. It's just, I keep saying raw, but it's raw. To me, it's so raw and it's so real and it's not overdeveloped. It's not overpopulated it's just so different and special and I think I'll never forget my first trip to Kauai when I was just like I realized that this was the best place in the world
0: (laughs) yeah when you say that feeling that Kauai was so special I can understand that as one of your top five because I'd been to Maui once before i'd been to oahu twice and i loved them all but when i landed in Kauai, i was in tears before i got off the plane like mm-hmm. I, was, I was sitting there on the plane and it was something like every ounce of fear or stress or negativity that we might carry around ourselves on a daily basis was just gone out of my body in this emotion of just love and everything filled into it and I felt like this is going to sound really weird I felt like I'm home you know I felt like this is the home I've been looking for my entire life and I found it it this is it it's here and I felt that the moment my plane first landed yes so I get it I totally get it
1: it is. It's a special feeling. It does sound weird to say a feeling is your memory, but I agree. I will never forget the way kawaii made me feel the first time. Mm-hmm. And it still makes me feel that way every time, but mm-hmm. that first memory, yeah, it's just really it's special.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Well, Amanda, I, um I appreciate you coming on the show with me. We've, we've, I'm looking at the timer right now. We've been talking for a long time.
1: Yeah, really? Yeah,
0: but I really appreciate you coming on the show. Kalalau was something that it's still on my bucket list. It's the one thing I have not knocked off my bucket list. And I put it off and put it off from doing a show because I wanted to do it after I did it. But as that all turned out, I ended up not talking about it all, and you can't do a Kauai podcast and not talk about Kalalau. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on the show, more so than you even know. And oh, thank, thank you, you
1: so much, Ty.
0: Thank you for taking me there. Thank you for taking all the listeners there. I, I appreciate it more than I can say. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I loved reminiscing and talking about it, and I, I really do hope that one day you get to do it yourself and just experience it too
0: me too i really hope so it seems incredibly awesome anyway i will be listening to you and wade on your living the aloha life podcast and uh
1: thank you I thank
0: you for coming on to mine and sharing the trip with me thank you very much
1: of course i loved it thank you
0: awesome have a good day
1: you too
0: so that was awesome <laughs> Thank you again, Amanda, for coming on the show. You took us to Kauai, and I could feel it in my soul, and it was wonderful. For a bit there, while we were talking, I was literally hiking the Kalalau Trail in my mind, and I absolutely loved it. You know, I think we all need to focus on that feeling a little more. There are so many things going on in the world right now that try to distract us from love and the beauty in nature and from feeling that mana that's all around us. And when you're focused on the force behind those distractions, it wins. It steals all of that from you. So in closing, I would say deal with distractions when you must, but focus on the beauty in life every day. Let that mana pull you. Let the aloha spirit drive you. And always keep the islands in your heart. We'll catch you later. would love to Stranded on